Hello and welcome to the Wolves Report. I'm Ryan Lester and thank you for joining us for episode 70, where tonight we'll analyse the Everton game and the player performances, jump away from Wolves and talk about Mike Dean and his recent VAR comments, take your questions and look ahead to the next week's games against Blackpool and Palace. Uh, straight into things, um, I'm delighted to have Mirror Football's Ben Husband back with us. Uh, we've got our club captain, Nucky, and our director of football, Chris Tyler, to guide me through proceedings today and talk about a win, which hasn't happened for a long time, unless you're including friendlies. Ben, it was quite ugly, um, but I'd love to get your analysis and your take on Everton nil, Wolverhampton Wanderers 1. Yeah, look, I think the most important thing was that the Wolves left Goodison Park with three points, which they did. Um, <clears throat> for all of the positivity we got from Old Trafford, it was at the end of the day, they were still beaten. So you can't take too much. And I didn't really buy into the whole, like, that it was a six point. I just think it's too early to talk about stuff like that. But it just feels good to get something on the board. And they didn't play particularly well. Um, but I thought, you know, it was it was two not great sides. Um, and look, I think I think Wolves found something that they've not had in a long time. I can't, can't remember the last time Wolves scored a goal in that way. Um, and, and look, it, it's a win and and it's something to build on now and it's it just calms everything a little bit because you lose that and then you go, right, well, where's the first win actually coming from? And everything just builds and builds. So it's just a nice bit of relief. And now hopefully what O'Neill's saying at Compton on the training pitches will sink in a bit more with the results on the back of it as well. It's it's just little things like that. But look, look the most the most important thing was Wolves won that game and they did. So um, that that's... That's all that matters, really. Noki, you were in the away end. Um, I know you talked us through the scenes and it was a, a special moment, great moment for Sasha. But as Ben said, and as we've all acknowledged, it, it was it was a pretty disgusting game of football. But again, what Ben said, the most important thing was the win and it doesn't matter how we did it. Wolves are off the mark and it's just what we needed. Yeah, I mean, it, it was ugly. I mean, the first half was absolutely ugly, but... You you kind of felt the nervousness. I mean, all the free flowing play that we did against Man United and and in the first half against Brighton just just wasn't there. It felt like a game that both teams knew how big it was, even at this stage of the season. Um, and that kind of filtered into the stands on the pitch. It was it was kind of everywhere. It was it felt like a a game you play sort of end of April when you when you're really racking around for points. But we dug in. We we stayed in the game. I think they had enough chances to probably have been a goal or two up at half time. Jose Sar with potentially the best goalkeeping performance I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and we stayed in the game and that, that was the most important thing. And, and they were always a team that were a little bit on the edge. I, I wanted an early goal because I felt that they would they would crumble if we managed that, but we didn't. But the performance itself, it reminded me a lot of Bournemouth coming to Molyneux last season and beating us 1-0. It was very similar. We stayed in the game and then tried to grow into its second half. And then there were some big moments for us as well. I mean, the game for me turned with the offside goal. Um, I felt that that gave us a little bit of belief. It seemed to raise things in the way and to give us a little bit more bite. And we had a big chance after that where Fabio's put one wide that he really should have done better. But again, we were starting to create chances, starting to create moments. And and we were growing into the game. And, and the goal itself is, a, is an absolutely wonderful ball. And whether it's his head, his shoulder, his backside, I couldn't care less. It ends up in the back of the net. So it, it was a game that the performance wasn't great, but the only thing that mattered to me, I think, was three points. We'll build the performances as we go down the line, but the quicker you get off the mark, you can then start building a bit of stability into the team. But three points is three points, and we don't generally win in August, do we? So 
couldn't be happier in all honesty, regardless of how, how sticky it was. Absolutely delighted for Gary O'Neill as well, because I know he's he t- he's caught some stick last week for his bravery, stroke naivety with his tactics in the second half. But I'm delighted for him. <clears throat> Excuse me, Tyler. It was it was never going to be a pretty game of football, and it was like two drunk boxers that didn't really know how to punch. It was it was disgusting, but. You've got to credit Wolves, though, to have the bottle to keep going forward and to steal the game later on. Yeah, I think Docker's right. I think they seemed to run out of ideas a bit, didn't they, after their offside goal was ruled out. And I wouldn't say we looked like we were going to go on and win it. I wasn't that confident. But it was nice to have an option from the bench, wasn't it, and a bit of a change. And, you know, bringing on a six-foot-six lump, it suddenly... Ask question marks for those, doesn't it? We haven't really had those options, have we? You know, last season it was Costa yeah. or Jimenez and neither were really effective. And we've talked about it, haven't we? We have got options. You know, the squad's not massive and, and brimming with talent, but there's enough there, isn't there? That's what we've sort of been saying the last few weeks, you know, to get a tune out of these players. And, you know, the fact, like I said, you can bring players like that on, they can score the winning goal in the last minute. And he, he just... I think he almost didn't know what to do, did he? He's obviously been through such a crappy year. And he, scored. he looked quite emotional, didn't he? Yeah, it was almost yeah. like, what do I do now type thing. And um, yeah, it, it's just massive, isn't it? I mean, I, I agree with what the two chaps have said. It was smelly, it was horrible. But we were brilliant at United and half-decent against Brighton and got nothing. So three points from those nine games, we'd probably all say that's where we thought we'd be, to be fair. Yeah, Ben, just going back to something that you, you said earlier on regarding scoring a different kind of goal, because Wolves have almost seemed quite rigid in the way they've tried to score goals in the past. The chances haven't been firing left, right and centre, but at Old Trafford, Wolves should have had a penalty, there's no doubt about it, because of Kalajic. And again, we've put a similar cross in. I don't know if it was Neto again or was Sarabia put the ball in at United, it might have been Sarabia, but Neto had a poor game, puts a ball in. But there's a footballer there that if you're given the right delivery, nobody can defend against him. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, if you think about the kind of deliveries that Wolves have put in, it's been a lot of it is getting to the byline and, and dinking stuff up rather than that kind of whipped in ball from a bit deeper as well. And I think we'll probably come on to it, but I think the the cross happened because Neto seeming to not want to go past his player but in that situation because he had the ball for Kalazic he was able to put he was able to cut back and put a cross in Um, and and it's the first time in a long time where you've if a ball goes in the box you feel pretty confident that he's going to get something on it and yeah if it's come off his shoulder or whatever it doesn't it doesn't matter because he's he's causing issues and and making defenders think and especially bring him on after 85 minutes and when they've had a bit of a bruising game already and they've had a different type of striker that's running round off or nipping in, getting finding space, and and he's a completely different. He's in your face, and and obviously, I'd be a lot more physical to deal with. And I think just just one more thing on the win itself. It's just it feels massive because of the way it's came as well, and it's exactly the same as what happened at Everton last year. And it felt like a really like pivotal moment rather than more because if Wolves would have scored after sixty minutes and held on and and won one 0 it's still good, but scoring in the last minute away from home, it just it feels like oh, that was one of them moments, and and it's just a huge way to get the season going. Yeah, absolutely. It was as Noki was Noki was there. The, the scenes were tremendous, and it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what happened as long as Wolves won. Um, it got to a point in the game when I was 
when Everton was starting to press a little bit in the second half. And I was thinking, I'm gonna t- if I can take nil-nil now, and I'm sure we probably all thought that then, with the way the game was going, it's like, God, oh, I don't want to lose this. But yeah, they were brave. Um, I want to go through, um, as I usually do now, going through the, the, the performances. And I think we'll start with my man of the match, Tyler. Um, Jose Sarr on this podcast and on social media, he's had a lot of stick. And just be so over the last 12 months, he's when you set your standards as high as he did in season one, when he had the best percentage save across the top leagues in European football, you set the bar, the bar quite high, but that was unsustainable. But, but that looked like the old Jose Sarr. I thought he was, I thought he was great from crosses. He's shot stopping. He had to parry a few because you can't hold everything. But Jose Sarr was the difference between Wolves and lose, winning and losing yesterday. Yeah, hundred percent. I hammered him last week, didn't I? And um, <laughs> I'm rightly so, but. I'll hammer them all again if they play better next week. I'm not really bothered. But I thought he was pretty faultless, really. And we weren't sort of playing tick-attacker from the back where we seemed to scrap it, especially second half. His distribution was excellent. Pulled out a couple of lovely driven kicks second half. The biggest thing for me was how commanding he was and how he came and got crosses because he's always been a good shot stopper. You could never really fault that. But he was coming and getting everything and he wasn't flapping out at it. He wasn't punching it. He was coming and claiming it. And and that just takes so much pressure off, I think, from you know, your centre backs and, and your defenders. And yeah, oh, like I said, I'd probably have to give him a nine out of ten, ten out of ten. That it was it was just a brilliant display. And hopefully, you know, there's talk of a new contract. We've got obviously very good goalkeeper coaching now. Hopefully, it's the start of us seeing the best of him again. Yeah, excellent performance, Ben. And in, he he was, I mean, it was it was nice to hit. I mean, you're probably singing it as well, Noki, hearing Jose Sama Lord being blasted out. But that that save, the one when he's fallen into the goal, he tips over the bar. That's genuinely one of the best saves I've ever seen. You saw it and he's like, you're accepting it's a goal. There's no way it's not a goal. How he's got underneath and tipped that over the bar. And hopefully that kicks him on. Yeah, I mean, the only the only save I can compare it to is, I don't know if you remember that Seaman one in, in an FA Cup semi-final at Sheffield United. Just because it was like the strength to to not only get there but to still be able to push it over the bar. I mean, it, that is just it's just an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous save. And I think Tyler made a good point about um, Cutler as well coming in. Um, really, really highly rated goalkeeping coach. Uh, because I think I think all the goalkeepers have sort of haven't really progressed uh, in the last couple of years. Not just Saab, but the the backups as well. Um, and and I think Cutler's a really shrewd appointment. You, you saw what he did with Emmy Martinez, who I, I'll be straight up, I never rated him as a keeper at all. I still don't massively rate him now, but um, but he turned him into to a player that essentially won Argentina the World Cup. So um, he's a really highly rated coach, and I think that would be a really good appointment. And in, in terms of goalkeeper years as well, I mean, you're getting goalkeepers play well deep into their 30s, so... I think Jose Sars 31 now. And if he's, I mean, John Percy mentioned earlier on that he's potentially going to sign a new contract as well. Um, he played like a man that would, was ready to sign his new contract, that's for sure. Um, moving on to the back four, Noki. Nelson Semedo. Um, I'm just going to make a sweeping statement across for or get your opinions on the players. For as ugly as it was, that's a back four that have got a clean sheet in a very physical game where they could have wilted. So I've got to credit them all and the goalkeeper for... Any any clean sheet in the Premier League is fantastic, but Nelson Semedo's had better afternoons. But again, part of a defence that kept a clean sheet. To be fair, I thought if 
Sarah hadn't turned into Superman. He was he was actually more man of the match. I thought he I thought he did really well down that right hand side. I thought he was probably the most consistent player. I thought I personally I thought it was a really good performance from him. He um he was relatively solid. He gave us an option and defensively I thought he was pretty good. Um the chances that came didn't really come from his side. It came from errors for the central defence. There was, you know, a couple of chances from corners where Dan Juma had an opportunity to finish and the, the two centre halves had just split. But I don't remember anything really coming through his side. It was a it, it was a pretty good performance to be honest. I think he's been relatively consistent other than Mitoma giving him a bit of a roasting, which seems to happen every time he plays him. I think he's been arguably our most consistent player so far this season. It's, uh, for me, I mean, Nelson Samedo, he's either really good or he's not good. I mean, I, I, I thought he was all right on Saturday, but he was he was amazing at Man United. Tyler, what do you make of the links to Samedo going to Man United and potentially a swap with Wan-Bissaka? I mean, I don't see that as realistic. I don't see Wan-Bissaka joining Wolves, if I'm honest. But no, he's playing for the, United, isn't he? He's not yeah, good. this will, this will be the second good. time that... That Man United have shown an interest in Nelson Samedo. And originally, I said months ago, I thought Nelson Samedo was activated his clause for another two years, his contract for another two years, so they could cash in, but not to keep him. I mean, I'd drive him there myself if that was a potential swap deal. I think most Wolves fans would. We mentioned it last week. I mean, you can't ever really sort of question the ability of some of our players, but it's the consistency. And I think you hit the nail on the head, you know. They're also inconsistent, and he's he's one of those. But I'm with Knocker. I mean, the left winger didn't have a kick all game. He, he every time he tried to get round Samedo, he dealt with him. To be honest, um, he only got overloaded the once, and I think that was when you know Sam made the world day. So I don't know if, if you're saying to me, "Am I taking the deal?" I probably am. Yeah, to be honest. But I think they're both quite limited going the other way going forward. We've talked mm-hmm. about his, his attacking stats and how poor they are. They're almost non-existent, aren't they, really? So, but it, 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 with the, sort really of the modern back fours, though, wouldn't you agree that if you've got an attacking left-back like an Aitnori or a Bueno, you don't need them because they sort of drop into a three with Wan-Bissaka being on the right and you can encourage the left-back to be more of an attacking because they don't necessarily all need to attack. But then if you've got... I suppose Neto, who's always coming inside from that side, you, I might be a bit old school, but would you want your fullback then getting beyond him as well in all that space? Mm-hmm. So I don't well, know. He's got, like, he's got the engine to do it. He just hasn't got. I don't think he's got as a lot of quality going forward. Yeah, I just don't think he's naturally an attack-minded player. Is he? he hasn't got the instincts, but he's not the best right back in the world. But he's certainly not the worst. And for where we are now, he's a pretty steady performer. But yeah, on the knocky, I thought he played well. To be honest. Uh, Wan Bissaka has won assists this season against Wolverhampton Wanderers. So moving on to <laughs> <laughs> moving on to Craig Dawson, um, Nocky Craig Dawson. Um, he's the man you want in these kind of physical games. Yeah, I thought first half, I thought him and Kilman weren't at it. Um, that we gave up a lot of space, and there was a lot of times a simple ball through the middle or over the top or just across on the right or left flanks. So we just they, they seemed to split positionally. They, they weren't there for me. Um, I think the fact we didn't concede was probably more by luck than judgment, in all honesty, and, and some some magic from Saar. But the second half, we grew into it, and I think we had an element of control in the second half. And I think Dawson and, and Kilman themselves both got a bit of a grip uh, in those positions. So it, it wasn't an awful performance. I think it, it's really difficult to think of players who actually played well, if I'm being honest, because it was such a... It was such a workman-like performance. I don't think anyone really stood out 
Um, but I do think it improved vastly in the second half, and Dawson definitely himself improved second half. But he didn't do anything particularly wrong in the first half. There was just a little bit of spatial awareness, a little bit of communication, I think, between the two centre-halves, and we were caught out a couple of times. But second half, you didn't really see that. I don't think they had too much in the way of opportunities. Uh, ben, moving on to Max Kilman again, he's probably a similar story to what we said about Dawson, but someone else that probably grew into the game and got better as the game went on for me. Yeah, yeah, I think you can pretty much copy and paste what, what Mark has just said about Dawson for Kilman. It's exactly the same. I'm a bit concerned about the the lack of communication because there's just there doesn't seem to be any type of like leadership in that back four at all from me. And like Kilman's got the armband, but he's he's not a He's not a talker. Like he's not he's, vocal, is he? No. He's yeah. open about that, but I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about the the centre backs. I didn't think I would be, and I know they kept a clean sheet. So, you know, on the but I think that was in spite of them rather than because of them. Um, and I, 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 they desperately need another another option. Um, just, I'm I'm never going to stop talking about it, but I would love to still have Nathan Collins. As as just a different option, um, but that that ships out now. But um, yeah, I'd, there's just something not quite right with them. I think they've they've been pulled apart quite a lot in the last couple of games. Um, so we'll just it's just something to keep an eye on. I think because I, that was one of the areas where I thought, yeah, Kilman and Dawson, that's fine. Pencil them in, done, move on. But there's just it's just not been quite right. Would you say though, Ben, that we, we are trying to press a higher line, but. Saturday seemed like a completely different, different tactical approach. Wolves didn't press as much, whether they weren't allowed to, whether the, the, it was a three-on-two in centre midfield against three really strong players for, for Everton. Um, is it hard for the players just to switch systems and that? or Well, you can't you can't play press with a high line with them two at centre-back because they're just they're so slow mm. as, a, as a pair and they're just so slow. And do you know what fair play to O'Neill if he's watched last week and said, like, this isn't a sustainable way that we can play because he's still learning all these things. He hasn't had a pre-season. He hasn't seen these players close up. Um, and and it was a different defensive setup yesterday, which which at the end of the day, they did come away without conceding the goal and won the game. So um, he's, I think he's still trying to find out what works best for them uh, in general. But I, th- I, I think they definitely look more comfortable when they're a little bit on the edge of their box rather than on the halfway line. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely, the partnership they put together last season, I thought Craig Dawson improved Max Kilman a lot last season, but they were a centre-back pairing that did have a six and a five past them in the the last third of the season. So when they're good, they're really, really good. I think we know the rest of that story. But uh, yeah, moving on to Noki, moving on to Hugo Bueno, um, started at left-back on Saturday. Uh, I thought he was left a little bit exposed in the first half. Um, he was much, much better when we brought Aitnori on. I thought Aitnori was excellent and that's his natural position for me. Um, but it gave Bueno a little bit more control on that side. He was overlapping a little bit more. He was bringing other players in and, and he put a fantastic ball in for Fabio, right? He was offside, but still a wonderful ball and a good finish as well. So first half, I, d- I did feel he was a little bit on his own over there. There wasn't a lot of support coming back. Um, but then second half, yeah, really, really comfortable. Um, for me, I, I have, similar to Ben, I have concerns about the centre-half position. I do have concerns slightly about us at left-back as well. I don't think Johnny's the answer. 
Bueno, I still think he's learning the game. It's not quite there for me. So Aitner really would be a good option to play there, but I also think he should potentially be further up the pitch. So a little bit of work to do there. Um, but not knocking his performance because he, he came and he did a job and he's part of a team that kept a clean sheet. But first half, there was a, a couple of little red flags. And until we we switched that around and bought Aitnuri on, we were, we were a little bit exposed down that side, I thought. On the subject of Aitnuri, Tyler, um, I thought a decent impact when he came on. Uh, and as we've all suggested for a while, we wouldn't mind seeing him further up the pitch. And I think he did quite well on Saturday. Yeah, my only surprise was he was dropped for the game. Mm, that was a strange one. No, yeah. no reason to. Don't, don't like knock. I don't think there's loads in it. He, he'd probably always get the nod from me at left back over the two. Um, but yes, he's an option to play a bit further forward. And knock was right. It just looked a lot more stable, a lot more balanced, didn't it? Um, I'm sure we'll come on to Wang. But like Knocker said, he wasn't really in the game, was he? And and Bueno was left a bit. But yeah, just surprised that he didn't start the game. But it seems to happen without Laura, doesn't it? He seems to come in and out of the team, whoever the manager is. So I don't know. Don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but didn't think he did anything to be dropped. Got in good positions against Brighton. Yeah, didn't take them, but was still in those positions. So that was the only thing for me that was a bit strange. Yeah, I don't think you could particularly point the finger at Aint Nori for what happened against Brighton. But if the manager's instruction you to press high and your fullbacks are are, into, are well into the opponent's half, it's it's only the tactics to blame. And I thought Aint Nori was okay. Great to see him in that position. I think he had a, we had a, a taster earlier on last season when he played forward. I think it might have been at Leeds. He, early on, he had a bit of time further up the pitch, but. Yeah, I'd definitely like to see him there. I mean, we might not have no option now if, if Wang's out mm. for a while. Um, ben, moving on to the centre midfield, Mario Lamina. I don't think it was his best game. Um, I thought I thought he was okay. I thought both midfielders were. I thought they they had to stand up to what was a pretty physical encounter. Um, I've got pretty high standards for Lamina, and I don't think he was quite. You know, he wasn't close to as good as he can be. I mean, at Old Trafford, it was he was just absolutely sensational. And he wasn't at that level, but it's one area with Lamina and Gomez. I'm actually not that concerned. It's just that there is going to be, you know, Gomez is going to be suspended about six times a season, which is <laughs> there's going to have to be someone else that comes in there. Um, but yeah, Lamina, you, it's it's bizarre how quickly he's become such an important player at the at the club. You know, he's only signed in January, and really, there's he'd be in my like top three or four most important players that have to be in the team when he's when oh. he's fit and available. So. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was his best, but like like we've said earlier, I struggled to pick anyone that was other than Saar. And I thought Samado, I actually thought Samado was really good. Other than that, I I struggled to go. Yeah, he was good. Um, I mean, me and Tyler often debate about Mario Lamina, and I really, really rate him. But we have to admit, he's not he's not a, f- a flair centre midfielder, and he's as Tyler says, he's limited in what he can do. But however, the job that he does, the ball recovering, when he gets alongside somebody, he's as good as anybody at what he does. And it's so important. And I think he did not intercept for the goal as well. Um, he broke the play up there as well. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mario Lamina. Um, a lot of his stuff's under the radar, though, isn't it? Because he did break up the play for the goal. He also was the one who put Bueno away for the cross that Fabio tucked in. So, he, he, Tyler's absolutely right. He is limited in what he does. But I do think what he does is, is really very important, important to us. Mm-hmm. So... But that's um, that, that's my concern. It's not a knock at him. And I'm a bit opposite to Ben, actually. If you're comfortable with those two, 
if Nunes does go and we're left with those two as our two set midfielders, I personally think that's a bit of a problem, to be honest, and a bit of an area that they just both lack that. And we've never Nunes who can probably be that spot, but we I think we just lack that just calm presence in there just to keep it. And maybe someone who can find that pass forward because we were so good. You were right, at Man U, we were so good at it, but we went forward when we won the ball. Whereas I think Saturday was a sign again and we win the ball, but we sort of don't really know what to do with it. And we're sort of going back and starting again. So I don't know if it's possible, but if Nunes does go, I think that's a bit of a problem area for us now. I don't get me wrong. If Nunes goes, Wolves need another, another central midfielder. I just think for what they do, they're very good at what they do. And you're right, they didn't didn't have what they had at Old Trafford, which was the ability to give the ball to Nunes, who can spring stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And neither of them have that. So Wolves, without a doubt, need a different type of player in there um, if Nunes goes, well, when Nunes goes. Um, Yeah. And yes, I I just... Yeah, I I think they'll end up getting this guy from City. Uh, What's his name? Tommy... What's his name? Doyle? Doyle. Doyle. Tommy Doyle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've had a lot on this kid, aren't we, already? Yeah. Um, while we're on, still on you, Tyler, uh, moving on to Joe Gomez. Um, probably, I mean, tough, And but I think, as, as Ben said, we could expect him to be genuinely suspended two or three times a season because, I mean, he could have been sent off on Saturday, but that's the player he is. He loves a fight, loves, loves a cha- challenge, loves a tackle. And for £15 million, I think we've got a fantastic footballer. Probably still a little bit raw in what he does. But what he does in terms of his ball recovery is like the mean he's as, he's as good as anybody's. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've said it really. He is a walking red card and, and that's a concern. <laughs> but we talked, didn't we, before the game? Is it? Is it? We haven't seen enough of Bubakar Traore, have we? But we sort of thought, is that a game where he does come in and you just match them like for like? Because I thought the core for them was outstanding, really. He really got them going and we didn't really cope with him. And they had, you know, then Anana as well, who's got so much energy. And I think Ben's used the phrase, they stood up to it brilliantly. They did. They did everything they could do. I just think they probably needed a bit of support in there, whether that's Kuna dropping a bit deeper into midfield and helping out, which he didn't really do. So I thought they were a bit exposed at times, but I think like we just said, for the job they're in the team for, they normally do it very well. I just worry about us being creative enough, especially in games where we've got to be on the front foot and break teams down, that would be a concern for me. Just to credit those pair, that the three players they're playing against, very strong, athletic, mobile players. So when you consider Joe Gomez and Mario Lamina are probably inferior in stature, uh, and yet they've held up, and they've gone to 3v2, no surprise they've both got a yellow card, but credit to them both to... To, to face that physical battle and come out with a clean sheet. So, yeah, credit to them both. Um, Noki, an assist, but a quiet afternoon. But if he drops assists in, that's all that matters. Pedro Neto. Yeah, funny performance from Pedro. I, I thought that when I saw he was going to be up against Ashley Young, I thought he, he could absolutely roast him. I mean, Ashley Young's, what, 38, 39 years old. I fully expected him to really get at him and try and take him on and try and beat him. And he, I don't think he ever really tried to get past him. Um, first half, there was a couple of little flicks and tricks that, that didn't work and he gave the ball away. But he kept going, he kept working and, and I thought the balling for the for the goal was absolutely sensational. That is, that's the kind of ball that, that strikers absolutely feed off when you get a ball that accurate and that 
with that much whip and, and that much dip on the ball and you know his celebration for the goal when he ran to the away end was was phenomenal as well so wasn't his best performance but I'm, I'm not his biggest fan you know that but um I think they're showing signs this season I think it's Man United in particular where he was really he was really good I mean he, he left a couple of players for dead on more than one occasion so there are green shoots of recovery but he, he does seem to have lost a yard of pace and maybe just a little bit of confidence to take players on so they need to work hard to get that back if they can do that then for me there's there's potentially still a good player there I, I don't think I've seen Pedro Neto this fit and strong since he's been at Wolves I've seen I've definitely seen him quicker but in terms of his fitness levels and his strength I think he's in peak condition he just doesn't seem to, I mean, the stats might prove me wrong, but he just doesn't seem as quick. And it's almost a, a confidence with Pedro because if he, if he believes he's got someone on toast, they're done from start to finish. And I just don't think we've seen being direct enough, particularly when you're cutting inside. If you're playing on the right and you're left-footed, you, you're just running a straight line towards goal and draw Young in. And then you've got, your, if, if Samedo's going, he creates space next to him. But we didn't see enough of that. But if he keeps getting assists, you can you can play if you want because that's the most thing, that's what he's there to do. Um, <clears throat> ben, moving on to Matthias Kuna. Yeah, I, th- I thought he, I thought he was pretty quiet. Um, again, not, it was a, it was a difficult game for for a lot of the Wolves forward players. I didn't think he linked up as I was really excited to see like the the proper link up between Silver and Kuna. There was moments and glimpses, but you can still you can see it's still a relationship that's. That's at, at its very early stages. You know, there was a few times Cunha played played a ball into Silver, and Silver had made a completely different run, and it goes straight to an Everton player. And a couple of times, Silver was laying balls off back to Cunha, and Cunha had gone in different directions. So that you can just tell that the partnership's not quite there at the moment. And I don't know about everyone else. I just love when Cunha gets the ball deeper, and I didn't yeah. like that. That to me just gets you off your seat straight away. And it wasn't really that type of game for it because of how Everton set up. It wasn't like they had. They weren't leaving holes the way United were, which, which which sort of nullifies them a bit. But yeah, I thought it was quiet, but nothing to be concerned about because I'm I'm really I'm really impressed with what I've seen in the first couple of weeks, and I think he's just going to get better and better. Yeah, you'd say he's probably of the three games he's had two good games and one quiet game. He hasn't had a poor game, but yeah. I, I think going forward, we, we want whether in the long run it's Sasha, whether it's Fabio, I don't know. But I want to see him have a regular strike partner, someone that he knows who's going to knock down for him the runs and develop that relationship. But like we said, Gary O'Neill's been here two weeks. Um, that partnership's brand new. And uh, so, yeah, we've got to give it some time. Um, Noki, and I want to bring everyone on this. And I want to talk about Fabio Silva as well. I've praised and backed Fabio for a long, long time. And although people, are, I mean, he was unlucky with his, his goal that was offside. I think he's probably like half a couple of inches offside there. And he had that chance then, which should have done better. I would start to worry about Fabio Silva if he had no chances at all. He's clever running his positioning. It's still there. And I, th- I do still believe the goals will come. And I think for now, while Sasha's still working his way in after a horrific injury, he's going to be, Fabio's going to be the team for a long time. Okay. Yeah, needs a goal. I think that's the, that's the be on end or he needs a goal. He doesn't need a chance where he's through one-on-one. He needs an opportunity like the goal he took where the ball's fizzed across to him. He's got that instant bang. I've got to react to this. He's in a position now where it's been a few games and you're going back to his last spell at Wolves, it's been quite a while since he scored a goal for Wolves. So it's that when he's got thinking time, he's overthinking and he's missing. Um, But he's getting into those positions. I mean, there was a real intelligent run when 
there was a simple ball through the middle and then and Pickford froze and the defender froze. He kept going, full sprint, got himself there first. All right, he's put it wide, but he's got himself into that position. It's just a confidence thing with him. He's still a young man. He's He's been written off in England by the media. He's been written off by everyone, even by some of our own supporters. So confidence-wise, has got to be a little bit on the floor. But the, the fans backed him. They were singing his name after both those misses, which was nice to see. And I, I still think he can hit double figures for us this season. I just think he needs that that start, he just needs something to go in, whether it, it whacks him on the head and flies in the net or whether he just gets that instant, spontaneous smash of a ball and it flies into the net. I think you'll see him go then because there, there is definitely quality in that lad. He's definitely got something about him and he makes some intelligent runs and he does a lot of work for the rest of the team as well. So, yes, we, we, we need strikers to score goals. We know that. But I do think that there's, there's still time for Fabio to come good for us. Tyler, if he keeps getting these chances, surely a goal's coming soon. You'd hope so. I think Lockie summed up perfectly, really. He just needs one, doesn't he? And yeah, he took he took the goal that wasn't a goal superbly and for exactly the reason Lockie said. Proper strikers finish. Just an instinct. But then you look at the strikers in the Premier League and we said it today. I mean, I know he's not in the same league as Darwin Nunes and he's had his troubles, but the way he took those goals today and Antonio yesterday, you know, football snobbery, Wolves fans don't want Antonio. I mean, Guarantees you 10, 12 goals a season. And we've got to find whoever it is, someone that when they're through one and one is confident enough to take chances and could be the start for Sassy. He, he just needs a goal. I don't know if you can keep talking about it. He needs a run in the team. There's no point putting him out of the team. That's just going to kill him. He's just got to keep playing. But you are right, Ryan. He's getting in the positions. His movement looks good. I suppose I'm just a bit surprised because I think he probably had raised the bar on his finishing. You know, we've seen the goals he's been scoring and a lot of them have been superb. So I suppose it's just a bit surprised. He looks a bit scared in front of the goal almost, but it'll come. It'll come. Ben, I know you've been singing his praises for a long time and are you still in love with Fabio Silva and is he still going to be the king? Well, I, and I know we're, <laughs> we're going to keep talking about this, but what was also robbed of at Old Trafford is Silva scoring a 90th minute penalty in front of the away fans. Ooh. Get him off and running. Do you think he would have taken it? I think he'd have took it and scored yeah, it. Yeah, he took it. Oof. And, and then, then you go, right, when he's one-on-one with Bro- at Brighton and he, with a goal and under his belt, that might go in. And then I... <clears throat> so I, I had to nip out the house just during that, just for a bit during the second half. And I had a few texts and I was missing another sitter. So I got back and, and rewound it. I don't think it was as bad as people were saying. Like it, I, I, thought it was a sitter. Really, I thought it was a really smart bit of play to get there in the first place. And look, for me... The issue with both is if he's a bit more confident, you probably go around the keeper on both mm. and and make it a, particularly the Pickford one because Pickford's like got no pace with the way he's come out, so he's pretty stationary. But you know, he's, it's just fine margins, and I think the worst thing to do now is for him to come out of the team because, like you say, that's yeah. that's him done then, and he's yeah, had three definitely. games, and Wolves aren't a good side anyway at the moment, so it's a it's a tough thing for him to do, and I'd like. When we think about Jimenez and Costa last year, you don't go, oh, they missed this chance. They missed. I can't remember any chances. They didn't have any chances. They didn't have chances. They didn't miss them. They didn't have any. Yeah. And, this is, and, this Silver, is... and Silver is having chances. There's absolutely no way that a striker can go, if if you stretch this out to 10 games, let's say, he and he, and he continues having those chances, he probably scores five goals because he's getting in positions that are just really good quality, quality chances. And he makes them for himself a lot of the time. And I do think a goal's coming, um, but he, he does. Play, 
Tuesday night, or would you? Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't play him Tuesday, Ben, to get a goal. Nah, I think it'll be gross, and if he doesn't, it's like, oh, he's not scored against Bradford as well. Like, it just adds it, and I don't, I'm, I don't know. Maybe that's thinking a bit scared because if he does bag three, and you go, oh yeah, class. Um, I don't know. It's a hiding to nothing for me because if he scores, they go, oh, he's found his level. If he doesn't <laughs> score, they go, oh yeah, my god, he scored against this side. Footballers all enjoy scoring goals against anybody. Now, yeah. I don't imagine Blackpool, Blackpool will come with their strongest 11. They might do, and I certainly don't see Wolves going with their strongest 11. I think it's an opportunity for some fringe play. I mean, we'll talk about the Blackpool game in a bit, but I would start Fabio in answer to, in answer to whoever, whoever asked that question. I would definitely I think, start. Him. I think you've got to start him for the simple fact that when he was here before we loaned him out, he scored a goal in the Papa John's Trophy and he celebrated like he'd scored against Real Madrid in the Champions League final. And then he went and he scored a few goals and he bagged a couple of opportunities for us. So it's just that he needs the feeling of putting the ball in the back of the net. He needs to feel and know that he can do that again. So for me, I absolutely start him against Blackpool. And to be fair, like, and O'Neill hasn't had that much time with any of the players. So maybe you just use this as almost like a pre season game for yeah. the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe you just. Would you be inclined to just but go Shabbat Shabbat probably needs, needs to start yeah. as well, doesn't he? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, I mean, I mentioned this a few times. The time I worry about Fabio Silva is when he gets no chances. And we talked about Jimenez and we talked about um, Costa last season having very few chances, whether that was them or the style of play or a combination of both. Fabio Silva, in all his games now, he's getting opportunities. And with his qualities, which I do believe, I do believe he has, like Ben, I think like we've all agreed, Keep getting those chances. I think the goals will come. And then I think we'll see a different player flying because there's a very, very talented young footballer there. I think that if we persist with him, hopefully he keeps Sasha out of the team um, because I I do think there's a really, really good guy um, that can score some goals. But we shall see. Uh, Moving away um, from Wolves briefly, there was um, an article, well, a video of Mike Dean um, admitting that he'd shown some favouritism to one of his colleagues um, when there was a VAR call and didn't instruct his colleague to go over because I think it was uh, he'd had a hard game or a hard time already. Now, for me, Tyler, I'll bring you in this. This is completely unacceptable. And you and Nocky have called it for ages. It, it's maybe certain things that we can't say because I don't want, I don't want the podcasting court again. Is but it corruption? Is that what that, you can't that's, say? That's, that's the word that I can't say, but you can say whatever you want. But in terms of showing a bias like that and protecting your colleague over finding the correct result is everything that you shouldn't be when you're refereeing. I said, I said, Denar, when you last asked me about bar, I've almost got no words left for it. And this is like the final nail in the coffin, isn't it? It's proved what I haven't wanted to be true, but it's proved it is true, isn't it? I mean, he's basically said, I haven't sent my mate there because he's had a tough game and I don't want him to have another shock. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you can say about it, really. I, why has he come out and said it? What Howard Webb's, Howard Webb's thought on it? I mean, it's basically the one we know about. How many of the times has this happened in games? That would be my concern. Um, I think we all agree that VAR itself isn't the problem. The technology is not the problem. It's the people that are using it. And, and it just, it's just horrible, isn't it? It's just, it just shows games can be manipulated and decisions can be changed and made by human beings that isn't right. You know, this is the best league in the world with the most money in the world and you're getting stuff like that. I mean, you could probably use a load of adjectives, but 
I'm just sick of talking about it, really. But for me, it just proves my my worst theories on it that it's close to the word Nocky said. I think Ben, I'm um, obviously I, I don't know. I haven't read any stories that you've written this week about the Mike Dean stuff, but I'm sure you've someone has covered it. What's what's been the feel across the media and people in media about about Mike Dean just coming out with that from nowhere? I think what you also have to take is that Dean is a very certain type of person and it's had him in the news front and centre for that's for a word I can't say. <laughs> yeah for four days and you know he if he really wanted to protect his mate he wouldn't have gone onto a podcast and and recounted <laughs> that story i actually thought the more the more worrying part for me was when he says um as a referee if you get sent to the monitor you're overturned it nine out of ten times so if that's his because for me if that's his in his understanding as a referee that is why he's reluctant to tell other referees to go to the monitor because if they're all feeling if we go to the monitor nine out of ten times it's overturned the var isn't telling them to check it at that point he's saying overturn it because if they think every time you go to the monitor you're changing the decision that is what you're telling them when you're really telling them to go to the monitor you're telling them this decision needs to be overturned and dean literally said that he said even if he thinks the decision's wrong, by the time he's gone over to the monitor, he's changing it anyway. And that is just like, that That just proves that the system isn't fit for purpose, doesn't work. because And not because of the technology, as, as Tyler said, it's it's the, the people using it. And I don't, I don't really know where you go from this because it's such a can of worms that he's opened with the comments. Um, I mean, we, we, we all look after our friends, you know what I mean? And, that, and that's fine. But we're not talking about refereeing or flagging an offside when you're when you're doing your line for your mate's team. We're talking about football at the highest level and him choosing to protect his friend over getting the right result it is disgusting behaviour. I'm all I'm all up for looking out for your mates, but there's there's a certain line and level there. And like you said, he's not really looking out for him if he's mentioned it on a podcast. It's unacceptable. It's disgusting behaviour. And then to see him smiling and smiling all over Sky Sports afterwards, I, I just don't understand. So, so you, but you, we've got someone now that's admitted that they've turned a blind eye to something to, to protect their friend rather than get the correct decision. It's un, unacceptable. But look, okay. as far as Sky are concerned, that's the best thing that could have possibly happened because that clip of a pretty boring bit of chat, like when BT throw it over to Peter Walton, that's not going viral on social media. But Mike Dean's a name. He's a character. He's a... He's a personality, so they'll be happy with that. He's the most famous referee in the country now. Um, he, he tried to clarify by saying he wasn't his mate, but when they're there, they're all mates in the same team or whatever. But the, the point still stands of what he did. Um, I mean, this, what can you do? He's retired and doesn't do it anymore. But is that the the overriding feeling from all the VARs and all the referees? Is that what... I, I, I just don't know where you go because it's such a it's such a massive thing that he's opened and fans have opened up to it now. So when, when referees are being told or not told fans are automatically thinking, Oh, they're just doing this to protect me. Like that, that's not what it's for. So Absolutely. Anything to finish up on that knocky before take some questions. I just think the whole, I've never been a big fan of VAR in the first place. I thought it was always going to create issues. Um, I use the word corruption after the Man United game, because that's what it felt like to me. It felt like it was corruption at that point. And when you see the Marcus Rashford penalty that they got yesterday, which for me is soft at best as far as I'm concerned, it is there. I mean, whether it's a conscious or unconscious corruption bias, whatever you want to call it, they're even admitting it now. And it's 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 something that's really damaging football for me because it is a very easy way to give 
the big clubs are decisions. I mean, you, we've seen it ever since we're in the Premier League. You know, they'll call the players from Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea over, and they're on first name basis with all of them, and it's very friendly. And and it's just it it doesn't sit right with me. And Mike Dean is someone who likes to be in the head the headlines. He was always the same when he was a uh, a referee. He always wanted to be the centre of attention in football matches, and he did all he could to, to make sure he was. But by coming out and admitting that, it it tells us all what we've. What we've refused to believe, I think, and that there are real, real problems with the system. There are people who are benefiting as a result of either bias or corruption or a fear to go against certain managers and, and certain teams. So it needs a complete overhaul. For me, I would have stuck it in the bin after day one when they disallowed the goal for us against Leicester. But I just think the whole thing stinks and I think it's um, it, it's the worst thing to come into football in my lifetime as far as I'm concerned. I think, just a quick point, sorry, I think what makes it worse for Wolves fans is the fact that what Dean said about protecting your mate, like, you immediately put that to that Man United decision because that's that's essentially what happened and, and that explains to Wolves fans exactly what they thought had happened anyway. And yep. it's, it's just come from us at a really, at a really like, pressing time because it happened two weeks, it happened 10 days ago to us, that exact thing. Especially when Howard Webb sat there, videoed a couple of hours later having food in the corporate yeah. section of Manchester United. It doesn't sit well, does it? So a bit of work to be done, I think. Uh, you are listening and watching episode 70 of the Wolves Report in Mirror Football's Ben Husband, uh, club captain Mark Knock, director of football Chris Tyler and myself, Ryan Lester. Uh, every week I put a tweet out asking some questions. Um, I'll get through as many as I can before we go ahead and talk about the games against Blackpool and Palace. Um, interesting question from Ted, um, starting off with, come January the 1st, who will, who will be Wolves' owners? Now, I hate to disappoint anyone that thinks this, but I'm confident that Wolves aren't being sold. And I'll be surprised if they are sold by then. Never say never in football, but I'd be really surprised if Wolves are under new ownership come January the 1st. So, Ted, I think it's Foson. Um, anyone else got any more to add to that? Ben nodding? Yeah, it'd be Foson. Yeah, I think so, Ted. Ted, thank you for your question. Um, I'm not sure what Matt Wolf means, but is Lopetegui ball over? Oh. Now, I'm not really sure what Lopetegui ball was, whether it was 5 nil, 6 nil at Brighton and 5-0 and, and five nil, <laughs> five nil Arsenal. Um, but he certainly did give, give us some good days. Now, if we're talking about the high press, high energy, high energy that, that had happened in the last pre-season game, um, no, I think we'll see those performances again. Um, Tyler? It's the only question I have, really, and it's far too early and it's, it's an unfair one, but what is the style? What what are we looking to achieve? Because I suppose the three games have all been quite different in a way, haven't they? And your opponents are different and you have to set up differently. So I'd be interested to know how O'Neill evolves it, but, you know, this, what he puts on the team, his own slant on it. But I don't know if you've got the players for high-press football all the time. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what he does, but... Um, it's the same problems we've always had, which is a bit of inconsistency, isn't it, up to now? Thank you for your question, Matt Wolf. Knock a year in your way end, biting your nails and hiding behind the 114 posts and the restricted view away end. Canada Mike asks, will we survive this season or will the stress seat us off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're talking about individually, then yeah, it nearly killed me in the injury time yesterday, but I don't know, it's uh... As a club, I hope we survive. Individually, I can't speak for everybody. <laughs> it's football's mad, isn't it, though? Because from such a not a great performance, ugly, not really creative, not really flows or patterns of play, but that one moment 
that one moment made your 300 mile round trip going absolutely banal. That's why we go, isn't it? So it's yeah, of course. We, so that's we, we what go we for live, those moments. That's what you live for. You live to see your team play. I mean, whatever league we're in, we're going to follow them because it, it's it's more than just a football team, isn't it? It's a part of your life. But I mean, when we spoke earlier about Lopetegui ball, I don't even think we ever saw Lopetegui ball because. He was firefighting from the minute he arrived until we finally got safe. So there wasn't enough Lopetegui ball. I think we would have seen that this season. And we're now onto a, a fresh start and a fresh system, which hopefully gives us a few more goals and a bit more excitement. Thank you for your question, Canada. Mike, uh, this one's for you, Ben. We are clearly in a relegation battle, says Richard. So are we already targeting some games and ignoring others? Um Feels a bit strong after a win, but Ben, your your answer to Richard's question. I don't I don't think Wolves are in a relegation battle. You're not in a relegation battle after three games. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, yeah, Wolves will Wolves will go into some games thinking they can get a better result than others. But I think that's the same for for every team that's not Man City in the in the Premier League. They'll Wolves will go at some games and think, yeah, we've got a good chance here. They'll go to other games and think this is where we sit in and this is where we fight for our lives and try and grab something on the break. And and we'll see, I'm sure we'll see both examples plenty of times between now and May. Um, I think there's some really, really bad teams. And I'm not saying Wolves aren't one of them. I think there's some real, real dross. Um, and I'm, I know they weren't good. I'm fairly confident Wolves won't be that close to the bottom three, to be honest. Um, not because Wolves are fantastic. I just think there's going to be some like record-breakingly bad sides. <laughs> I hope so, as long as there's three worse. I, th- I think Richard's point as well, last season, because under Lopetegui, the game at Brighton, the game at Arsenal, there were certain games where they just like they, they were pick-and-choosing their games, and there were certain games, Old Trafford, for example, last year, I think it was 2-0 in the end, games where Wolves just didn't show up, and it was just like, let's just get through this because we've lost. That, Richard... that was slightly different though, wasn't it? Because Wolves were like locked in a relegation battle there. Mm. So there are weeks when you when you can sit off, but you can't say that after three games that we're in a relegation battle. Richard, thank you for your question. Um, uh, this this one is going to fill you with joy, Tyler. Um, so man after your own uh, man after your own heart here. Great win, poor performance, no press or ball retention, but Kilman's long balls to our set, to our front two and their giant centre backs. If that's Gary O'Neill, I think that's a worry against an awful Everton side, Tyler. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with anything he said. It was a great win. We didn't play well. We we were very direct first half. There was a lot of hoofing it from Kilman, wasn't there? And that was that was weird. Um, but it tended it tended to drop off a bit second half. There were more targeted balls from him to wait and all we weren't they and stuff. So it's too like I said, it's too early to say. We don't know if it's a Gabriel O'Neill thing. I, I think we've all said and the similarities were there with Bournemouth coming to Molyneux and stinking us out and winning. Sometimes you've got to do it. You're not going to go to Everton and have an open game and, you know, play beautiful football. It just doesn't happen. So, is it a worry? I'm with Ben. It's a bit early to say. However, five games we've got coming up is tough. And if we don't get some points on the board, yeah, I think it would be a bit more concerning after those. Just one thing about the Everton thing to finish off the last question. It's not really related, but I absolutely love beating Sean Dyke. It doesn't happen very often, but um, I take great satisfaction in biting any short, beating any Sean Dyke side, mainly because they usually bully Wolves and beat them. So to stand up against that and score that way, yeah, it felt really, really good. Jay, thank you for your question and being part of this week's 
Wolves report. Um, Wolves have got two games in the next week now. Face Blackpool in the League Cup and then Palace away on Sunday. Um, Noki, looking to the Blackpool game, me personally, um, I would make as many changes as possible, get a few fringe players in and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that you can pick some of the changes. I mean, Bentley will come in, Totti will probably play. Um, he's probably going to play alongside Kilman, I would have thought. I think he'll try and keep one of the two in. Uh, Bubakar Traore will probably come in for Gomez. Hodge probably comes in for Lamina. I think that the interesting area is going to be up front. Silver for me, I, I would play him. I'm not sure I'd play Kalajic against a team that are probably going to be relatively physical. Um, he's not a player who who takes knocks too well. So I think I'd start Fabio in the game. Um, Wings wise, we, we're struggling a bit, and we? we haven't got a lot to play there. Maybe play it Nuri there to give him a little bit more experience in that position. If you're looking at that going forward. Um, then on the other side, it's do you want to risk? Do you want to risk Neto? Or would you swap it around and go four four one one? Maybe I don't know, but there'll be changes for sure. But I, I think the key area for me is I'll play Silver. Everyone else, I'm not really fussed about, but I want him to play. Tyler, um, multiple changes then, or get Silver some confidence. Pablo Sarabia, Matt Doherty. It's hard as they are. I'm inclined to agree with Ben that he's almost got a game here to look at players and put a bit of a, a slant on it. I think JLo did it at home to Gillingham Ryan. He put out quite a strong team, if I remember, quite early mm. in his tenure. Yeah. It's just another 90 minutes to have a look at what he's got, isn't it? But I also agree with Noki, your, your Totes, your Doherty's, your Bubakars, your Sarabias. They've almost got to play, haven't they? They've got to be given a game as well. So, I don't think I'd go wholesale as in 10-11, but I'd, I'd probably go, yeah, four, four, five, six changes, I think. Ben? Yeah, yeah, I, I pretty much agree. I, th- I I would be inclined to play the, as strong going forward as they can, just because I think that's where Wolves need the most work and this is a game where they can try out stuff and I think that's that's what Wolves... If Wolves are going to progress, they need to become a side that can actually score goals. Um, but yeah, there's there's players that you would just automatically slot in, um, and and you go from there. But I would, I would like to see just just some more like because you saw yesterday. I know I've mentioned it already, but Silver and Cunha's relationship isn't quite there. Silver's only been training with them. What is it about six weeks? He mm-hmm. came in, he came in really late, didn't he? So um, I think he just needs more time playing with the players. I think they need time playing with him, and and just go from there. But there's there's enough changes they can make where you go, okay, it's a second string sort of side while still Gary O'Neill can can work on things that that he'll want to against the side where Wolves will have more of the ball and things like that. So I think it's a really good opportunity to to try some things out. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything everyone said, but I'd also be mindful that they've had a really physical game at Everton and put a lot into that game. So if anyone's feeling anything, I'm not risking anybody for that game. So you've got to be 100% or... I'm not playing. Um, let's do a round of predictions for the cup before we move on to the Palace game. Uh, ben, your score and first scorer for uh, the League Cup game against Blackpool. Five nil. Get in there. Uh, who's going to Sarabia? There we go. Wow. Tyler's never been so happy in his his life. Knocky. I'll go three 0 Wolves. Fabio off the mark. 
I hope no one clips this because we're going to look a bunch of tits, aren't we, if it goes wrong? It's got 1 0 Blackpool written all over it, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, I said it was Bradford earlier, so it can't get much worse than that. <laughs> so much you care about this club. Uh, yeah, it's, it, I was going to say 3 0 as well. And, and Matt Doherty. Oh, get in. The duck like at the that. far post. I like that. Um, I'll go 2 0 Wolves and Cunha, as I always do, and it never happens because I always say Cunha. These um, are a poor team, though, aren't they? I mean, he's their first string of dodge. If we can't put up a decent performance <laughs> and score some goals in this one, then. This is definitely going to get clipped and we're going to get humiliated. We're going to get humiliated. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Good say your scoreline, but don't mock them before the game. Goodness <laughs> sake. Don't need this. I do not need it. So on Sunday afternoon, I believe it's a two o'clock kickoff, Wolves go to Sellers Park and take on Crystal Palace. Um, I would be expecting roughly the same side. Obviously, Huang's out, so we've got an issue there. Um, Tyler, going to Palace, what changes would you make? Who knows? I mean, presuming you get through the week unscathed. Um, I really don't know. I mean, you know what? I do like Sarab, but I do think he's a good player, but... Sellers Park away, it's a horrible place to go, isn't it? It's got a bit of the Everton's away about it. You need to stand up to them. You need to be physical. I might, you might just go eight Nori on that side, maybe, just to give you keep you quite solid. Um, and the same team again. I'm, we're not, it's not like we've got loads of options, is it, where we can change it? So the team pretty much picks itself, doesn't it? Bar one or two. So I'd probably go eight Nori and and try and go quite solid and. I'd, I'd probably bite your hand off for a point if you offered it, mate. Ben? You'll have to ask me Friday night when Wolves have signed seven superstars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a completely different 11 by then. <laughs> uh, it won't be, though, will it? Um, yeah, I think I know coming in would be my only change. I think he, I think he's significantly better than, than Bueno. I think you lose a bit when he can't play a bit further forward, but I know he would play for me. And then, So would you say, would you play... Yeah, would you play eight Nori at left back or play? play in, I forgot that Huang's out, isn't he? Yeah, I would. Um, I'd probably play Sarabia. I think. I mean, I, I'd preferably want to get Neto back on the left side if we can. But it's it's who you then go on the right. Like Wolves need players, so if if Jeff She is listening, then uh, get it done. Just to, just to throw it out there, a start for Daniel Pedence on Tuesday in the cup against Blackpool. Um, Noki, uh, what would you do different for Palace? I'm similar to the lads, really. I don't think we've got a lot to play with. Um, I'd bring eight Nuri in for Huang. I, I don't think personally it's the game for Sarabia because I expect them to push us and squeeze us and make it horrible in midfield. I don't think there'll be a great deal of space between their midfield and defence. They'll keep the lines pretty tight. And if you're going to play a Sarabia and make him effective, he needs a little bit of space and some pockets to work in. I don't see that being there. So, very similar again. Um, we'll need to be better defensively because they're a, they'll be more of a threat going forward, I think. But they have lost a couple of players. So, got some pace in that team. They've they got some forward? pace, yeah. So, let's keep it solid and, and very much stick with with what we've done. We've just ain't Nuri coming in because he can also give a little bit more resilience defensively and trap back and protect Bueno a little bit better than, than Huang did. Tough game for sure. And like I think, I think, did you say, Tyler? Um, I'd absolutely take your hand off for a point now. I don't know if you, one of you guys said that. Um, predictions for uh, Wolverhampton Wonders away at Crystal Palace. Tyler? Nil, nil. I'll take that right now. Noki? I've got a little sneaky. I oh, no. I'm going to be so many clips. 
I think my last sneaky was uh, Brighton last season, which didn't go particularly well. <laughs> Six nil. Um, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go two nil Wolves, and uh, Fabio Silva to follow on oh. a, Blackpool, a Blackpool double with the first goal and a brace in this one as well. Four goals in a week for Fabio. <laughs> Look at Ben's, <laughs> Ben's never been. Get your mortgage on it. One one. Cole Palmer first goal. Oh, he's a belter. It's a belter. What more chance of Cole and Palmer getting it? <laughs> Do you mean he's going to sign for Palace and stick one? Yeah, past maybe. We don't need that. I'm going to go with. Uh, I've got I'm one nil Cunha. I'm going to keep saying it until it happens. Eventually, I'll get it right. Stop saying you... it then because he can't score the goal since he's been here every time. I'm not sure. I'm not sure our podcast is influential enough to affect the outcome of a football game. If it is, I'm not into superstitions. I'm all for it. We'll have a show, a separate show on that. This has been episode 70 of the Wolves Report. Thank you to Mirror Football and Sports, Ben Husband, our director of football, Chris Tyler, and club captain, Mark Knock. Up the Wolves.